Last weekend, we wrapped up about a three-and-a-half-month series looking at 1 Peter. Wrapped that up last weekend, and today we begin a three-week sermon series looking at Romans chapter 12. Now, here's what we've named this three-week series. Check this out. It's called this. 21 days in Romans 12. Oh, yeah. That's good, isn't it? Come on. You like that. Yeah, we're going to be spending 21 days in Romans 12. The next three weekends, that's where we're going to be. And you should have got a little trifold handout on your way in this morning. And I hope you have that. It should have been in your bulletin. So if you could grab that, keep it handy. We'll refer to it throughout the teaching time this morning. Now, if you could, take your Bibles. Trust you brought your Bibles to church today. Turn to Romans chapter 12. If you forgot, if you don't have a Bible, you can grab one from under the seat in front of you. And if you don't own a Bible, hey, check this out. Keep that one from the church. It's our gift to you. And as you turn to Romans, which is in the New Testament, it's the sixth book. You go past the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. You hit Acts and you get to Romans. As you turn there, Romans 12, you may be wondering, why are we spending three weeks in Romans 12? Seems kind of random. Why, why, why just this chapter in Romans? Well, the answer for that is we're going to talk about this, but it's really kind of a hinge chapter in the book of Romans. Not only that, but it helps define who we are and who we're becoming and the direction that we're going here at Faithy Church. We'll hit today the first two verses, and as we talk about them today, you'll see that we're going to talk about what it means to become a fully surrendered disciple. Next week, we're going to talk about God's plan for His church and how we're called to be a part of His church. It's important. His church is important, and it's His plan A for His people. And then week three, as we wrap up, 21 days in Romans 12, we'll really talk about what it looks like to be authentic and have those authentic relationships in our life where we're known by others. The real you is known really in the context of a small group. That's where we're heading. That's where we're going. In a lot of ways, Romans chapter 12 captures our vision and mission statement here at Faithy Church, which I know a lot of you know this, but let's say it together. It's going to come up on the screen. It's this, becoming fully surrendered disciples who love God, love others, and share Jesus. That's our way here. More importantly, that's God's way. It's His will for our church. So that's where we're going. Hence the title to today's sermon is Our Way, His Will. And His will is revealed to us in His Word. So if you're wondering why 21 days in Romans 12, there you go. That's why. Now, before we jump into the text, before we jump into the first two verses in Romans 12, I want to have a little fun. We're going to have a little fun with oxymorons. Sound good? Who wants to have some fun with oxymorons, right? Yeah, somebody's clapping for that. Okay. Well, by the way, if you're new with us, hang in there. We like to have a little fun around here from time to time. Now, in case you don't know what an oxymoron is, here you go. It's when two apparently contradicting terms are used together in conjunction with one another. Did you catch that? In other words, they're, they're when we use two words that seem opposite, and we use them nearly every day to describe something. We probably don't even realize it. It gets you warmed up, and to help you out with this, let me give you a couple. Minor crisis. <laughs> Maybe you've been through that, or you're going through one. Only choice. Right? At first, these don't seem to make a lot of sense when you really think about it. How about this one, inside out? Yeah, I think there, isn't there a movie or something called that? 
We're getting warmed up, right? Now, now the fun begins. Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to say the first word of the oxymoron, and you have to guess the second one. Now, you can just think of it in your mind. You can mumble it under your breath. You can whisper it to a neighbor. You can say it out loud if you want, if you're really brave. But let me tell you something about saying stuff out loud that I've had to learn. I've got to remind myself all the time. It's this. Think about what you're going to say. Okay? Before you speak, think about what you're going to say. All right. Let's, let's begin. I'm going to give you an easy one. Jumbo. That first service was a lot louder. They must have been more confident. Jumbo shrimp. All right, let's try another one. Bitter. Ah, There you go. That's the spirit. Now we're getting there. Uh, How about about this one? It's a little bit tougher. Civil. War. Somebody in the first service said engineering. That's pretty good. I was like, think before you speak, right? Here's one for us, uh, us church people. It's what we don't want to become, a devout. This one's tough. Atheist. One more, just for fun. And it's kind of our culture we live in. Here you go. Virtual reality. You know, as I looked at the list of the top 100 oxymorons, because that's what I do for fun. You should hang out with me sometime. I saw on that list two words that kind of jumped out at me. Living sacrifice. Hmm. That's what we're going to be talking about today. That's what we see in Romans 12, 1. And like... All oxymorons really have a deeper meaning. Oh, yes, living, uh, living sacrifice does as well. Matter of fact, we're going to see this call to be a living sacrifice. It really involves our bodies, our, our minds, and our, our will. And this call to be a living sacrifice that Paul makes really helps us understand what it means to be a fully surrendered disciple. So if you would, follow along as I read the first two verses in Romans chapter 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come here today desiring to know your will for our lives. Thanks for your word. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place. We are a people gathered desperate to hear from you. So would you speak to us? Move me out of the way. Jesus, thank you. And we love you. We pray this in your name. Amen. These two verses are pretty familiar verses to many of you. You might even have them memorized. But we're going to, it's a good place to go back to and, and kind of refamiliarize ourselves with these two verses because they are just packed full and they're loaded and we're going to continue to have some fun with them as a matter of fact the very first word that you see in verse one is the word therefore and if you've been tracking with us as we've been doing observations on god's words particularly through first peter when you see the word therefore what's the question we should ask yeah good job what's it there for and we're going to see it's there for a reason because Paul is really pointing back to the previous 11 chapters of Romans 12. Like I said, this is a hinge chapter. 12 is, and he's pointing back to those previous 11 chapters. And we're going to talk more specifically here in a moment about what he's pointing back to because next in verse 1 we get to the audience. And we need to understand the audience. That's important because Paul's saying he's making an urgent request. He's pleading with his audience, and his audience is his brothers and sisters in Christ. 
This is to Christians. This is written to those of us who are followers of Jesus. And that's important because you know what? Sometimes I think we expect an unbelieving world to behave and act like believers, right? I think sometimes we expect those outside of the church who have no idea what it means to be a part of the church, I think we expect them to live and behave like those of us inside of the church are called to live and behave. Now on the flip side of that, Sometimes those inside of the church don't act a whole lot differently than those outside of it, right? Than the unbelieving world. So Paul's saying this. He's saying, all of you who declare Christ as your king, and then he's going to give us some instructions on how we are to live as part of his kingdom, as citizens of God's kingdom. That's why the very next words in verse 1 is this. Paul says, in view of God's mercy... In view of God's mercy, that's what the therefore is there for. It's pointing back to the previous 11 chapters where Paul outlines and talks about all the ways that God's been merciful. All the ways that he is a merciful God. That's what Paul talked about and really captured in the previous 11 chapters. And, and, and a real easy definition for you, really, that captures both mercy and grace of our God is this. It's the good things God gives us that we don't deserve and we can't earn. It's the good things that God gives us that we don't deserve and we can't earn. So, so Paul's saying in view of all of those things, like, like in, how, in God's mercy, in chapter 1, verse 5, we are called to our Lord Jesus Christ. Or in his mercy, in chapter 2, verse 7, we now can have eternal life in him. In his mercy, he's given us faith and hope, chapter 4. Chapter 5, in his mercy, we have peace. Chapter 6, we've been born again into a new life in Christ. That's what we celebrated earlier with baptisms. In chapter 8, in his mercy, we now have his very spirit inside of us. Chapter 8 continued to say that now we can be counted as the very sons and daughters of the living God. And finally, in his mercy, in his mercy... He tells us that not death, not life, not demons, not angels, not the past, present, future, no powers, nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's mercy. And it's all captured really in one word. Gospel. It's the good news that while we were sinners, while we were enemies of the living God, Jesus Christ died for us. That's mercy. That's mercy, in view of God's mercy. And you know, something good, that's that, a practice that we should do, is every now and then just pause in our lives and look back on all the ways we've received God's mercy. I don't do it often enough. And then st stop and thank him. You know, when I look back in his mercy, I know he called a young boy from darkness to light, in his mercy, he was the good shepherd who went after me as a wandering sheep. In his mercy, he provided a spouse for me in the name of Janet. Let me tell you something. I'm married up all y'all. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. okay. I, th I figured it, there'd be at least one guy who thought before he spoke right there. Good job. In his mercy, he blessed us with two children. In his mercy, I got to watch him grow. <laughs> In his mercy, I survived seminary. In his mercy, I was hired here at Faith E Church. In his mercy, I get to be here today with you studying his word. In his mercy. 
What I want to do right now, it's going to be kind of a unique teaching time, a unique service, because we're going to pause. And I want you to practice this right now on your own, by yourself, a few minutes with Jesus. Think back to how God has been merciful to you, all the ways he has in your own life. And then thank him for it. As a matter of fact, if you look at that, that 21 days in Romans 12 handout, the first day, Sunday, today, says thank God for his mercy. We're going to do that right now. So if you would, wherever you're at, close your eyes, reflect on his mercy in your life, and then thank him for it. I'm giving you a minute or two now. Oh, Father, we are grateful children. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. We don't deserve either one, but you lavish it richly on us. Thank you. Amen. Romans 12, not only is it a hinge chapter, but it's really also, in a lot of ways, a bit of a graduation chapter. You see, the Apostle Paul is saying, now in view of God's mercy, now that you experience, you know, you've received his mercy, this is how you should respond. This is what you should do. This is what you should go and do. You see, our obedience, our holiness, our response, our way needs to be rooted, embedded in the mercy of God. You don't pass go until you live in the mercy of God. It starts there. And the first thing that we should do, the first response we should have to his mercy, Paul says in verse 1, is to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice seems like an odd thing to do at first glance, this living sacrifice, oxymoron, right? What's up with that? Well, we first need to understand that this phrase, Paul's really pointing back to the Old Testament sacrificial system, the Levitical sacrificial system, a fancy way for saying how they sacrificed animals on the altar. Matter of fact, the very first word in this phrase, offer, the Greek word is peristemi. And it's a picture of a priest presenting, offering, presenting a sacrificed animal on the offer. So here's the first principle. It's in your worship guide. You should see it. The first principle for being a living sacrifice is this. Presenting our bodies to God for his service. Presenting our bodies to God for his service. It's the first step. It's the first principle. Now, there's something we need to understand about the word bodies in the text. You see, the Apostle Paul is not talking about just our, our flesh, our blood, our bones. Not just the physical body that he's referencing here. He's talking about the complete person, the whole person, the entire person. You see, his teaching here would have flown in the face of the Roman culture and the Roman teaching at the time because they believed this, that the spirit and the body were separated. They were disjointed from one another. And they also believed that the spirit inherently was good, and you could assign your spirit to any number of their little g-gods. You see, in a way, quote-unquote, they were very spiritual people. Does this sound familiar at all? Probably a little bit. Because then on the flip side, what they believed 
having the body separated from the spirit, they also believed that the body was inherently evil. And since it was evil, go ahead and let it do whatever it wanted. It didn't matter. Because it's going to do what it wants. That's what they believed. That's what they propagated. Give in to every lustful appetite, craving that your body may have, and don't worry about the consequence. Again, I ask, sound a little familiar? Kind of like the world we live in. My body, my way, I'm going to do what I want, what I pleases me, right? It's the Roman way, maybe the way in our society, in our world today, but it's not God's way, it's not his call, it's not his will for his people. Because not only are we called to present our bodies, our entire self on the altar, but we're called to be a living sacrifice that is holy and pleasing as well. You see those words in verse 1? Holy, pleasing. To be holy means to be set apart, sacred. And pleasing is a, is a pleasing aroma to God. And both of those words also point back to the Old Testament sacrificial system, which all pointed to Jesus, right? The Old Testament's pointing to Jesus, who would become, in God's mercy, the ultimate supreme sacrifice once and for all for the sins of mankind. That's what's being talked about here. You see, we can't be a living, holy, pleasing sacrifice to God unless we've been covered and cleaned and cleansed by the blood of Jesus. It's his blood that allows us, the unrighteous ones, to stand righteous before a holy God. It's his blood that ushers in, us into a new covenant. A covenant where we can live in a resurrection life and a living hope today because of Jesus' sacrifice for us. We talked a lot in First Peter about living hope. And now today we come... Romans 12, and we talk about being a living sacrifice. Let me just sum it up all this way. Here it is. Because Jesus died for us, we should live sacrificially for him, offering our entire whole self, W-H-O-L-E, in a holy, H-O-L-Y, and pleasing way. Because Jesus died for us, we should live sacrificially for him. That's what we're dealing with here. It all starts with Jesus. And how do we live holy, pleasing, as a living sacrifice? We need to obey what he says, obey his word. We have to practice the ways of Jesus. We're to, we're to follow in our master's footsteps. And when we practice the ways of Jesus, the Apostle Paul goes on to say in verse 1, that is your true and proper worship. Following in our master's footsteps, practicing the ways of Jesus, that's our true and proper worship. You see this about worship here? It's more than two hours on a Sunday morning. True, proper worship includes the other 166 hours of our week. It's a lifestyle. And those words, true and proper, used to describe worship, other translations may say different, have you used different words there, like, you might even be familiar with this, your spiritual act of worship. You've heard that one? King James says your reasonable worship. Here it is. The word's true, proper, spiritual, reasonable are all the same Greek word, which is the word logika. Give me a little nod if you're tracking with me right now. Logika. Any idea what that might mean in our English language, what we get? Logic. Good. Logical. You see what Paul's saying here? He's saying, in view of God's mercy, all the things that Jesus has done for us, it only makes sense to live as a living sacrifice 
fully surrendered to him. That's what Paul's saying. That's what God's word is teaching us. It only makes sense. Now, raise your hand, tall and proud, high and proud. Any, any Star Trekkies out there? Woo, all right. Not very many. This might be a little awkward, but I'll do it anyway. In Star Trek, there's this dude named Spock. Maybe even if you're not a Trekkie, you understand. He kind of got the pointy ears, and he runs around doing this kind of thing, right? Here's what Spock would say about this. With a lifted eyebrow, he would say, that kind of response is only logical. Okay, that was, that was awkward. <laughs> Sorry. Maybe that was for like 40 years ago in the 80s or something. Anyway, that's my best Spock impersonation. You see, surrendering our entire self is logical. It only makes sense because of what Christ has done for us. Nothing else makes sense. But yet surrendering can be pretty hard, can't it? can be kind of difficult, pretty challenging. Not always easy. You see, the priests in the Old Testament, what they laid on the altar was a dead animal. It'd been killed. It was dead. Ain't going nowhere, right? But we're called to present our bodies and be living sacrifices. And you know what living sacrifices sometimes do? We crawl off the altar, you know what I mean? Sometimes we crawl off the altar. And when we do, instead of it being about him, it becomes about me. 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 Mine. Mine. Mine, right? You know, as I thought about this, I thought about times I spent at the beach. And, uh, you know, when you're at the beach, there in the sand, eating a sandwich. Okay, you guys are a tough crowd. <sighs> okay, it was corny, but so what? You're there at the beach, eating a sandwich, eating some potato chips. And what all of a sudden starts surrounding you? It's something that Lonnie would just hate. But what, what begins to surround you? Seagulls, now you're with me. Right, all of a sudden you got a bunch of seagulls and they got one thing on their mind. Me, 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 I want your food, I want your food. Mine, 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 right? And if you're not careful with that bag of chips and you put it on, the, on, on a blanket or on a beach towel and you turn around, you know, those seagulls might snag right from under your nose. And sometimes you make the mistake of throwing a piece of bread to them and oh boy, watch out then, right? Now if us landlocked Montanans, if you have no idea what I'm talking about regarding the beach and seagulls. I want to show you a little clip from Finding Nemo and you'll get the picture. Check this out. Right. Kind of cute. But you know, I think sometimes we approach our faith. I think sometimes we approach God. I think sometimes we approach the church more from the perspective of what can I get? What can I get instead of what can I give? I think sometimes instead of being on the altar and saying his, 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 we crawl off and say, no, mine, 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 right? But that should not be our way. Our way is not to be a church full of galls. We should not be a church full of galls, and you know what? I'm grateful we're not. I'm grateful for the legacy we have here at Faithy Church. It's a legacy of being generous, giving people, loving one another, and serving the city of Billings. 
But, but that needs to continue to be our way. And the only way that's going to happen is if we continue to be on the altar as a living sacrifice. You see all the language that the Apostle Paul is using here in verse 1, it's all present, tense, active, and continuous. What he's saying is you don't just become a living sacrifice once. No, it's a daily posture. It's a daily surrendering ourselves, denying ourselves, taking up our cross and following Jesus. Mark 8.34, it's what we have on our wrists. That's what it looks like to be a fully surrendered disciple. And I hope, I hope when people out there look at Faithy Church, what they see is a group of people living and loving our Lord sacrificially serving one another, and serving the city of Billings. It's our way, because it's his way, it's his will. I hope when people outside of the church look, they see a group of people practicing the ways of Jesus, and that's attractive to them, because it's different than the rest of the world, and the, rest way, the way the rest of the world lives. But it's so attractive that they want to be part of that. God works in their heart. I hope... As we continue to move forward, that when people look at Faith E Church, they see a group of people who love God, love others, and share Jesus. That's who we are. That's where we're going. It's our vision and mission because it's His will. And I want to talk about one of the practical ways that us individually as believers and as a corporate body of believers here at Faith E Church can, can practically practice the ways of Jesus, particularly around this area of offering our, our bodies on the altar as a sacrificial way of living for him. And it's a rhythm, it's a practice that's been part of the church from the beginning, and it's called fasting. You may be familiar with it, you may not. But it's been around in the church from the beginning. As a matter of fact, Jesus demonstrated this for himself. In Matthew 6, 16, Jesus says to his disciples, when you fast, he doesn't say if, when, he assumes his disciples are already fasting. But somehow along the lines, well, that rhythm, that practice in the church, particularly here in the Western culture, our American culture, seems to have really tailed off. And I think that's unfortunate. I think it has an impact, not on a, just on us as individuals, but also on the church. But you see, I think one of the things, at least that I've learned, that, that's been a good reminder for me is fasting's not about what we get from God. It's what we give to him. It's what we give to him. And I think personally speaking, when I fasted in the past, in this whole teaching that the staff and I have been going through is a good reminder because when I've fasted in the past, I've done it when maybe I'm approaching, I'm approaching a big decision or I need clarity, I need something from God, so I fast. And that's not a bad thing necessarily, but the better thing, the best thing, fasting really should be about giving to him versus what we get from him. So the staff and myself, we started fasting recently on Tuesdays. We started fasting recently on Tuesdays. And when we learn the discipline of controlling our appetite towards food, it helps teach us really the discipline of controlling our appetite towards the other things of this world. It moves us away from the posture of, of being a seagull that says, mine, 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 right? Here's what I'm going to encourage all of us. For the next three Tuesdays, you'll also see this in the trifold handout, is to fast corporately together as we move into the fall season. I appreciated the words of John Mark Comer in this area of fasting and teaching because he says this, fasting is one of the best disciplines we have 
to reintegrate our mind to our body and offer offer our whole selves to God in surrender. It's exactly what the Apostle Paul is talking about here in verse 1. So I'm going to encourage all of us to fast from sun up to sundown at least the next three Tuesdays. Maybe this is already a rhythm of practice in your life. That's great. If not, I encourage you to do that. Now, you may be sitting there thinking, Paul, why didn't you wait till January or winter solstice to do this when the days are really short, right? <laughs> I hear you, I hear you, but here's the deal. I know it may be a challenge, but in fasting, we have to want God more than we want what we're giving up. In fasting, we have to want God more than what we want of that which we're giving up. And I also know this, I understand this. I've been there in my own health journey that some of you may not be able to fast. It might be unwise to to go without food for an entire day and just drink, drink water. I understand that. Maybe you, maybe you only skip one meal on Tuesdays. Maybe you can't skip a meal at all. God knows your heart. But still, there's other ways to present yourself as a living sacrifice on his altar and spend more time with him in prayer. But for the rest of us, let's commit to fasting as we move into the new ministry year, the new school year on Tuesdays. Sun up, sundown. And let's watch what God does with us and his church. That's number one. That's principle number one. Present your bodies for God's service as a living sacrifice. Principle two around this area of being a living sacrifice is in verse two. Paul talks about this area and he says this, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't conform. Don't, don't, don't be a conformist. You know what I think is interesting as I read this? kind of jumped in my brain a little bit. Is like, okay, we live in a world where so many people want to be free to be me, to be an individual, right? To be unique. And on their quest for this uniqueness, this, this freedom to be, to be me and express themselves, really they're just conforming to the pattern of this world, really? They're just being conformist, you know what I mean, right? I kind of like this one. Because God's word, the Apostle Paul is calling us as Christians, those of us who are followers of Jesus, to be nonconformists. Our way should be to be nonconformists. We shouldn't conform to the mold, be squeezed into the mold of this world as Christians. No. Instead, we should be transformed by the renewing of our minds. That word transformed is the word metamorpha. Same word that was used to describe Jesus during his transfiguration on the mount. You see, the Apostle Paul is saying that we should be transformed into a more glorious state to look more like Jesus. We should be transfigured to look more like him. You see, God doesn't want to just make us better. He wants to make us new. He wants to make us look more like his son, Jesus. And that happens by transforming and renewing our minds through God's word. Through God's word. A new way of thinking leads to a new way of living. How we think directs how we live, and how we live determines what we do with our bodies. You see, this all is connected. And that happens. We transform our minds through God's Word, through His Word. The Bible says in Psalm 1, 1 to 3, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. 
Cheer that part in the middle, meditating on his law day and night. As Christians, we're not called to check our brains at the door. <laughs> we're not. We're called to use them, to think critically, but to have our, our noggins and our brains saturated in the world of, word of God. To meditate on his word. And when we do that, we really conform more to who he wants us to be. We're transformed. Like solid trees planted by streams of living water. So for the next 21 days, once again, if you would just reference that little handout, that trifold handout, you'll see that we have 21 days of meditating on God's word. Just kind of call you to, to camp on the two verses we're doing today for the entire week. Next week, the next passage of scripture. Small chunks, and you'll see there are some instructions at the top on what it looks like to meditate on God's word. First, begin by being silent before him, and then ask him to reveal what it is that he wants to, the truths from his scripture to you. Ask him to prepare your heart to transform you. And then slowly read the words, chew on God's word. You might even pick up on a single word and chew on that, like the word mercy. Maybe you cross-reference it. Perhaps this week, you look at all the ways that God has been merciful and gracious in the previous 11 chapters. And then pray the passage. You see, each day we have a prayer suggestion at ways you can pray those verses back to God. And then finally, live it out. Go and do it, right? A living sacrifice, first, is one who presents our bodies for God's service, and next, who have transformed minds by his word. When we live like that, presenting ourselves, transformed mind by his word, we begin to understand his will, and our will aligns with his will. That's what Paul is talking about in the last sentence here in verse 2. This is what he says. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. The testing and approving of God's will is not, Paul's not saying, okay, you should test and approve, see if it makes sense, see if you kind of want to do God's will. That's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about aligning our lives. He's talking about really coming into agreement with God's will for our lives. A few weeks ago, I mentioned that I, I kind of like poetry. And I have various poems uh, around my desk, and one of them is by Ella Wheeler Wilcox. And the last two lines of her poem kind of reminded me of this last verse here in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Because here's what the poem says. It's folly to fight with the infinite and go under at last in the wrestle. The wiser man shapes into God's plan as water shapes into a vessel. Let me say that again. I think it's pretty good. The wiser man shapes into God's plan as water shapes into a vessel. The wiser man, his ways line up with God's will. It's wiser when our ways line up with his will. You see, here it is. I want you to leave with this. When our way is his will, that's the best place to live. Let's say that together. When our way is his will, that's the best place to live. It's the best place to live because we begin to understand God's plan, meaning, and purpose for our lives. It's the best place to live because, because he helps teach us what it looks like to run the race that he's marked out for us. 
you know, I've, I've never been to a funeral and heard it said. I've never heard anybody say on their deathbed things like, you know, I just wish I'd have spent so much more time being selfish. Never heard it said. Doubt it ever has been. I've never heard it said, you know, I, I just wish that I hadn't invested so much time in my relationship with God. I've never heard it said, you know, I just wish I'd have spent less time loving other people. Never heard it. No surprise, right? Maybe you're here today and you're feeling a little dissatisfied with life. Maybe you feel a little empty. Perhaps it's because you're spending too much time conforming to the patterns of this world. Perhaps it's time to spend more time living sacrificially. Because when we deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Jesus, when we surrender like that, that's when we experience real life, abundant life in Him. In order to really gain the riches of Christ, we've got to give our lives away. And to be filled with His Spirit, we have to lose ourselves. To, to win the heavenly prize to which we've been called, we must surrender. All of this sounds an awful lot like an oxymoron, doesn't it? But God's kingdom is upside down. Actually, God's kingdom is right side up compared to the kingdoms of this world. That kind of response in view of God's mercy to totally surrender ourselves to Jesus, it just makes sense. It's only logical. It's only logical. And when our way is his will, it's the best place to live. We've practiced a little bit this morning. We've experienced what we're calling all of us to do the next 21 days. We paused. We thank God for his mercy. And we're going to end in kind of a unique way today. Because school has started, is starting this week for many of our children. So we're actually going to call them back into the service right now. I see Molly there, Nolan. And you'll notice there uh, Tuesday, this Tuesday in that handout, once again, asking you to fast, but also to pray for the kids. They're up against a lot, and uh, the world is an interesting place sometimes for these guys. And so I, 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 would, I would encourage you to continue to do that and plan to do that on Tuesday, but right now I want us to practice that as the body of Christ. So I'm going to come down and hang out with these guys because uh, I, I, they probably think I'm pretty cool, right? And so, I, okay, that's probably an oxymoron right there. Um, but I'm going to hang out with these guys. They're waving, and it's really cool. But what I'd like us to do right now is, is would you extend a hand? Let's pray for these young ones as they begin school. And if you're in junior high, maybe high school, maybe college, you don't have to come up here and hang out with these guys because I know you don't want to, right? But would you stand where you're at because we'd like to pray for you too. So anybody that's in high school, junior high, beginning college, be brave and stand, would you? There you go. We got a few. All right. Look around at these guys. It's a complicated world. They need our prayers. Let's commit as a body of believers to pray for these guys. Would we do, can we do that? We're going to do it now. Would you do it Tuesday as well? They need it. They need it. They need it. They need it. Now you see him, let's all stand as a body of believers and pray for him. I'll pray, extend a hand to somebody around here, up front here. Oh, Father, we know, Jesus, that you said, let the little children come to me. Thanks for the children that we are blessed with here at Faith E. 
I pray humbly for your mercy in their lives. Oh God, would you watch over them as the school year begins and whatever grade, wherever they're at, homeschool, public school, Christian school, they need you, we need you. I pray for each one of them that as they grow, they understand what your plan for them is to surrender, to live sacrificially for Jesus. Thank you for them. God, thanks that you are a good, good father. I also pray for anybody that works in the school system, teachers, administrators, professors, deans, whatever role, homeschool moms, homeschool dads, would you equip them to teach and train our next generation to fear and love you, God? Thank you. Pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks, guys. You can take off. Can I Give me a couple high fives. Yeah, there we go. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, parents, they're going to head back to the gym. Molly, come on, that was pretty weak. Um, they're going to head back to the gym so you can pick them up there. Normal pickup procedures as they head back. Now stay standing. We're almost done, I promise. Let me just talk about a couple housekeeping items real quick, and then I'll get you out of here. First off, if you came today prepared to give of tithes and offerings, we have the box in the back by the doors as you leave. Also, drop off your Connect cards there. That'd be great. Thanks, guys. Love you guys. Good job. Actually, let's, can we clap for them as they're leaving? Yeah. Should have done that to begin with. Another housekeeping item is this. We have pizza with a pastor right after this service. I'm going to go get me a piece of pepperoni pizza. If you want to hang out with me, come on by. It's in the fireside room. It's free. It's really for those who are new to Faithy. You want to get to know us, the staff, and what we're all about a little better, although you got to hear it today. But still, hang out with us right after this pizza with a pastor. And also, over the next 21 days, as we participate in Romans 12 together, at the end of this on September 10th, mark it on your calendars, because we're going to have a comeback night, the 21st day of prayer, worship, and it's where our small groups are going to launch. It's going to be right here in the worship center. It's going to be a great night. All right, sound good? Finally, if you're here and you could use prayer for anything, we're a praying church, and we love, it's a privilege to pray with you. Myself, other pastors will be up front if you could use some prayer. It'd be a delight for us to do that. You see, becoming fully surrendered disciples, that's our mission here at Faith E Church. Actually, it's God's mission for us. And that's where we're heading. That's where we're going. If that sounds good to you, if you want to be on mission for, with us, with God, and you don't have one of these little rubber band bracelets, we got more of them. They're in the back in some baskets. I'd encourage you to grab one. We also have some small sizes, if that would bless you. But only grab it if you're willing to become a fully surrendered disciple, because that's what you're, what you're wearing on your wrist. Willing to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Jesus in holiness. That's what we're called to do. As part of that, use it as a reminder to spend 21 days meditating on God's Word, Tuesdays fasting. Because the way we can present our bodies as a living sacrifice is fasting together. The way we transform and renew our minds is meditating on His Word. And once again, the best place to be is when our way aligns with God's will. That's where we want to live. Let's do that as a family and see what God does in our lives and in his church. Love you guys. Have a great week.